Welcome back to Our Soul, a podcast by Faith Choice Ohio, Ohio's faith voice for choice. So I have good news and I have bad news. Good news first. Faith Choice Ohio and the Jubilee Fund and Ohio Clergy for Choice were all featured in a fantastic national publication. Slate.com this week published a wonderful article outlining our work for self-managed abortion, as well as practical support for abortion seekers. Um, Elena Ramsey, our executive director, as well as the Reverend Jesse Camaray were featured Jesse is a member of our Ohio Clergy for Choice group that does a lot of work throughout the state to help access care and defend abortion rights. Obviously, Elena has been in this work for a long, long time and is like the nexus and the center of a lot of our organizing. Uh, Just really wonderful article. So I was really glad to see that this week. And then... We Mm -hmm. had the election, and for those of us in Ohio (sighs) who care about abortion rights and care about pretty much, like, you know, any intersectional uh, fight for justice, (laughs) it did not go well. It did did not go well, I will say. Um, So, Kelly, how are you feeling about the election here in Ohio? I mean, um, so like we talked about last time, and by the way, uh, for those who are listening, usually we record on the Tuesday before that we put our, we put out our, um, new episodes, but this one is actually being recorded on the Friday before. So if anything happens, um, today is Friday, November 11th, but I just feel like that's important to say, um, Regardless, uh, like we talked about the last time, um, you know, I have my own feelings about voting and how the state has not made it, um, it has not made it that I feel like my voice is really heard when I go and vote. Um, Despite that, it's very important to go vote. And we talked about that in the last episode. If you haven't listened to that, you should listen to it. Um, But... You know, I think my initial reaction is like, Ohio is the bad place. Like, how did we elect J.D. Vance? <laughs> I just say that and feel bad. <laughs> like, Senator, it's just... Senator J.D. Vance. Yeah, yeah just oh. just let it all, let it all wash over you. The, the filth and yeah. <laughs> but mm. um, and, and also just like, I think. Uh, it's hard also every time that I see um, a woman run for office and not win, especially, you know, thinking about highly qualified women not being in the positions that they uh, deserve to be in. And so, uh, I mean, I don't I don't know that I was fully surprised um, that Nan Whaley did not win. Uh, the election, but I was, of course, disappointed, especially because Mike DeWine um, and and all of that. But um, I think I it's kind of disheartening. Um, but I think what we all knew is that the the revolution does not come through the election. Like things don't fully become better through the election, through an election of people 
to be in power. Um, but, you know, then I look at states like um, Michigan or even thinking about uh, Kentucky, who um, either blocked or added per- or blocked bans against abortion or added protections for abortion in those states. I mean, we have this fierce rivalry with Michigan um, over football, and yet, like, Michigan, when it comes to protecting um, people who need abortions, is doing far better than we are. Um, And, you know, it's just, it's disappointing. Um, But I think what it makes clear is that there is a lot of work that we need to do, like, as community members rather than relying on elections yeah so that's kind of my thoughts I know you work the polls um so I would love to hear what you're thinking what what you've seen of the results and like what your your thoughts on that are yeah so like full disclosure um I guess like a disclaimer and disclosure here like Obviously, Faith Choice Ohio, Jubilee Fund, we're all 501c3 organizations, so like we don't take positions on any uh, political candidates. We do, however, articulate uh, views and values on issues. So like what I say about me on this podcast is about me, not about Faith Choice Ohio. Um, I am, in addition to being a dedicated poll worker, um, I am also a member of the Democratic Political committee here in Ross County, Ohio. Um, I'm actually, this year I'm vice chair of the county party. And I say that because I think it's important for us to be like upfront about where our perspectives are because being an institutional Democrat, um, I am an Appalachian first and a Democrat second. And I try to remind people like, Appalachians, we have had to vote for people who aren't perfect and aren't near perfect and sometimes aren't even good in order to survive and in order to advance our long-term political interests for, you know, strong wages, for being able to have access to basic health care needs, for not you know, empowering billionaires to just take over whole communities and create company towns and drive our families into the dirt. So, like, it's in our blood that we participate in elections, but we know elections are not salvation, right? Like, elections are not going to save us because we save us. The union saves us. If you are, you know, part of a labor union culture, like, you understand it's that solidarity, mutual aid, mutual support that happens. All that to say, like... I'm going to keep getting up every day and doing the work that I do and also trying to get people to engage the electoral process because that's what we do, right? Whether we win or whether we lose, we still get up every day and we try to do right by people and we stay in this fight because there's no other choice, right? It's not like, you know, we're just going to run into the woods with our hair and fire, you know, that's, that's not, that's not how we live. That's not how generations uh, of our people, whether we're, you know, Appalachians, whether we're BIPOC folk, whether we are, you know, strong black RJ women, like those communities that have lived in mutual aid for years live in mutual aid still. Yeah. Not a great outcome for some of us in terms of the election, but 
no election's going to save us. No election. I I do want to kind of shift us a little bit because a dear friend of mine, um, Nomi Joyich in Michigan, heads what what I think is like the best um, acronym name for an organization in the world. She heads an organization called Moose Gen, right? The Michigan Unitarian Universalist Justice Network. Isn't that great? Moose Gen, right? So my friend Nomi, who we're on calls on a regular basis with um, an organization just recently renamed the Faith and Reproductive Freedom Coalition, Nomi really helped to head up the Michigan proposition enshrining abortion rights. And having that conversation with Nomi about, so how did you all do this? You know, I, it just made news. It just came on the scene, you know, for national consumption, like three, four months ago. Like, how did you make this happen? Nomi's like, Oh no, we've been working for years to put this together. We've been strategizing. We've been organizing. We've been deep organizing and we finally got it on the ballot and it finally did what it was supposed to do. You look at the outcomes in Ohio and Michigan, very similar states demographically, very similar states in terms of of their general politics. The big difference was that Michiganders had the opportunity to come out and support abortion on the ballot. Ohioans did not. And that ballot issue pulled people out to vote for it. And while they were in the voting booth, they also happened to vote for all of the politicians down the line who were most in line with their values, right? We did not have that in Ohio. We, we did not have that kind of strategy, that kind of access, and we got that kind of outcome, right? It does give me hope that when we finally do, for lack of a better phrase, come to Jesus <laughs> about the, the <laughs> problems in our electorate and the problems in our political system, we can rally around abortion access. Like, vast majority of Ohioans support access to safe and legal abortion. We can get together on that as a political change theory. Um, and without breaking any of our uh, 501c3 statements here, I, I think it does advantage a certain kind of candidate when it comes to down-ballot voting. And they're not the candidates that ended up winning statewide majorities this time around. Yeah, yeah. I think... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's just, I, I think a lot about like this, uh, Ohio, Michigan feud that we have <laughs> and it's just like, uh, I, in this case, like Michigan is far exceeding us in, in getting out voters to protect abortion rights and, I mean, I'm I'm glad that they're doing that, and I'm grateful that there's a state <laughs> so nearby. But like, it's you know we we have work to do. But also, you know, uh, you were saying earlier that like this just because like this didn't go well for the kind of people who would support and protect abortion rights uh, does not mean that we are quitting. You know, we are still out here, you know, doing the work to protect people and to um, teach people how they can still have access to bodily autonomy, even if the state is working against them literally actively um, as far as abortion rights and other rights. I mean, 
this isn't bad just for abortion. And I think like, so I, I think it can be easy for people who are not like in obviously marginalized communities, um, like, uh, rural folks, like black folks, like, um, other people of color, like LGBTQ Ohioans. Um, I think when you're not a part of one of those groups, it can be easy to think like, oh, you know, this is bad, but it's not going to affect me. But I think like the ripple effects of the, the people who we've elected who are anti-abortion, like it's going to go beyond that, you know? Um, and I think we like as, as citizens um, have to just like work harder to support each other. Um, I think in the long run, like what I've learned from these kind of elections is like until we start supporting each other and seeing our common lines of like places that we need help or places that we are being attacked by the state or like just in, until we're able to see our commonalities, um, we're, it's, it's going to be more difficult to get a win on a statewide level. And until we start getting those wins, we need to be working together if we're going to survive. Like I think too often, um, and you know, like I say this, but like, you know, it goes both ways, but whatever. I think too often we divide ourselves into like, oh, like uh, talking specifically just about black issues and like focusing only on black issues. And those issues are important. Absolutely. As a black woman, I think that those are very important. But also the, the thing is that the same ways that like, black people are attacked are very similar have the same like through line in the ways that like um Appalachians are attacked or uh you know uh I've been thinking about the kinds of awful things that are happening um at this on a state level for trans folk and like um people can think like oh that's an issue for trans people but it's it's deeper than that there are through lines this this uh this focus around like uh, a lack of access to privacy you know privacy being like the thing um that does not just affect trans people it affects everyone like we have to be seeing these through lines and we don't see those kind of through lines across communities um, if we're not talking to each other, if we don't see that there's a stake in this fight for all of us um, and that we could be working together. Like the the people who have been attacking the rights to abortion, rights to privacy, uh, the right to live in safe and sustainable communities, those people benefit off of Appalachians being in their corner and black people being in their corner and people who live in rural areas in one corner, like they are thriving off of that. And so like what we need to do is to be in community with each other to have a stake in each other's um, lives and, you know, actually care about each other, even if we're not, you know, related, even if we don't 
necessarily have all the same views. As long as there's not like harm there, I think building relationships with people and even in cases when there's accidental harms because that happens like the the building the relationship with people around you and taking that into how you live your everyday life and then eventually how you go to the polls I think will change the game and until we're doing that until we have a stake in each other's lives um until we you know turn out for for all of the things because we know that if those who have said they were, are going to ban abortion get to that level, then like knowing that that has ripple effects for everybody. Anyway, I'm <laughs> I'm kind of rambling, but no, you're yeah. you're right on because isolation feeds oppressors. Oppressors mm-hmm. literally feast on isolation of groups and organizations and, you know, sub-identities of people who they're able to keep pitted against one another in order for those with power to continue maintaining their power. And we've seen that time and time again through the delay tactics of the legislature and the redistricting commission, you know, around fair districts. We've seen it around you know, the manipulation of our Supreme Court. Uh, We just again and again and again, all of these different issues. I'm I'm really interested to hear kind of your perspective as well on the concept of restorative and transformative justice in a system where it's clear that large segments of the leadership of our state are not interested in any kind of fairness or or basic dignity of people they disagree with like how do we hold tenderly our values and our commitments to building a more just and and verdant world while at the same time not taking any crap from people who are just disingenuous you know who who do not value uh, real collaboration or cooperation who are really in this to win at any cost to make politics a never-ending blood sport and to harm people we love like what do we do with that yeah I mean like I don't I don't really like using us versus them kind of uh, language I don't like I think that and, and a part of my organizing training is thinking about, like, building the largest us and the smallest them uh, and and uniting over that and realizing that, you know, we're all in this together against those who are trying to oppress us. Um, however, as a person who's, like, studied and um, thought a lot about, like, how toxic masculinity is uh, bad for the people who are upholding it it's like I I have this like weird spot where like I feel like every person is um redeemable and should be given a chance to be redeemed but also at the same time we can't be like leaving ourselves open for attack you know if that makes sense um and so I don't I don't like using us versus them kind of um mentality but we're in a we're in a stake where there is an obvious them you know, there is the people who are actively choosing to uh, try to pass uh, anti-trans 
uh, legislation. There are people who are actively pursuing banning access to safe and legal abortion in the state. There are people who, uh, like, just are are doing these things that will have long-term effects for so many communities in the state. And I think, like, it is, I, I'm not, like, there is a them, and we need to gather around against that. And I've said this before in, um, in my restorative and transformative justice training, um, you know, to, to, to say that a politician does not need to be in office, to say that they don't deserve to be in office, um, is not the same as canceling them. Like I'm, what I'm saying when I say that JD Vance is a bad person for, for, um, our state, uh, is, and, and, and that's not like for specifically thinking about abortion, not a good person for that. Like I, he, I'm taking away a position of power is not hurting that person. Like if power is a privilege, not a right. And so like I 100% stand for being against people being in positions of power where they abuse others, you know? Um, so like, Having this us versus them, it's us, the citizens of Ohio, the normal people who live in the state, who need access to healthcare, who just want to live their lives, want to be able to like go to the grocery store in a way that feels most authentic for yourself. Um, like we have an obvious them in the state house, in the people who are trying to pass these trans legislations, in the people who are going to you know, past things to ban abortion. Um, and so I think like, it's, it's about like crossing those lines. You know, I live in the city, um, and it, it may not feel like an obvious thing for me to, uh, seek out relationships with people who live in Appalachia or live in rural areas. But until we build those kind of relationships, we have that kind of community there. Like, we're not going to keep each other in mind when we go to the polls, when we do things, when we need help, you know, when, when it comes to like a protest in Columbus, why, why would people like, if we don't have that kind of relationship, why would people show up for us? So like, I, I guess what I'm saying is um, I think that we need to start building and, and I know that this is real, um, in places like there are already these kind of, uh, communities that are being built. Um, but I think we need to be authentically and intentionally building connections with people that are not an obvious match for whatever our personal identity is, uh, because we are all being attacked by it. You know, um, <laughs> I think about like some of the, uh, mystery books that I've read before. There's this book that I read, um, called uh one of us is lying and it basically the book is about like a, a kid dies and there's like maybe like six people who could have possibly done it um and all of them are being accused and there are some people who actively choose to not be a part of it like they're not going to uh help their fellow 
accused people. Um, but there are some people who work together and they're like, I know that I didn't do it. I know that you didn't do it. And so together we're going to uh, find out what's going on so that we can clear both of our names. And like, I think that that strategy <laughs> is more effective than separating everyone. It is easier for me to work with someone else to f defend both of us um, than for me to sit by myself and say, like, I know that I didn't do it, but I'll blame everyone else around me. What? Like, the for, for me as a person who lives in the city, I know that, like, even though there are a lot of conservative people um, in rural communities, like, they're not my enemy. Like, it be, just because... Uh, you know, uh, historically, uh, other or, uh, rural areas have, uh, elected more <sighs> politicians who have not been for, uh, my freedom in many ways, uh, does not mean that they're my enemy. It, what it does mean is that they've been pitted against me by people who stand to gain off of that. And if I can build a relationship with those people, then, we can support each other. I, if, if that makes sense. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I think the, the end product there is by building those strong relationships and by building that cross solidarity, that intersectional solidarity, it gives us the ability to vote for things that we might not be excited about, but we know other people need. And for me, every movement that I've ever been a part of that has won anything worth winning has happened because people are able to balance their own self-interest with the empathetic experience they have of others so that other people get what they need to, you know? Yeah. Mm. We can, it's like, we can all win, you know? Yes. We, it is possible for us all to win um, but we have to be in a mindset where we want us all to win, where we want, where we're caring more about like what affects me in my personal situation. And we think more about like what affects us and what can we be doing to make sure that everybody gets the best possible outcome. And it's hard that we have to be doing that as like people, as individuals, um, because I feel like that should be something that the state does. Um, but alas, here we are. And um, I think that that is what we need. Um, but to wrap up, I want to kind of go back to this. Um, you know, we're going to continue fighting no matter what happens in elections. And I think we've we've talked about that before. But um, I, I got another secular saint candle. I've talked about... Um, my Billie Holiday candle and the prayer that's on that. And I got a new one um, for Toni Morrison. Um, and I love these secular saint candles. Um, and they have these little prayers on the back for those of you who have not heard of these candles before. Um, they are representing different um, figures who have been important. And then they have um, kind of a little prayer on the back of them. So I'm just to wrap us up. I'm going to read this little prayer um, on the back of this Toni Morrison secular saint candle. So um, they have secular saint Tony, patron saint of the lost cartographer or of patron saint of the lost 
photographers and the small bench by the road. And so the prayer is, Oh, St. Tony, the wind at your back turned foul, set you off course in the manner of legendary journeys toward odyssey or oblivion, itinerary preceding map. Your callings were many, raising your voice, raising up fighters and philosophers, resistors and pacifists, black books, a new canon. You invented language to summon powerful forces, to draw down lightning and bid us to see by it. Grant us devout patience and fierce mercy. Amen. Amen. Ashe. Well, uh, we'll be back in uh, two weeks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Soul. If you'd like to hear more of our conversations on religion, abortion access, and all things repro, you can find all our episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. For more content, training, and other information, check us out at faithchoiceohio.org.